everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. This episode, we have three fics to discuss, and Nick is up first. So, Nick, what have you brought for us? My fic for this episode is a temporary fix by AO3 user Bosgood. It is a fic for The Untamed and also the novel MDZS. The main relationship is actually a gen pairing. It's Wei Wuxian and Wen Qing, and this very much focuses on Wei Wuxian, Wen Qing, and Wen Ning in a modern setting. Brenna, what is your pick for this episode? My pick for this episode is called No Reservations Narnia by Idono Hana. This is a fic that combines Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations series with the Chronicles of Narnia in the sense that Anthony Bourdain and his sort of like film crew go to Narnia. Um, it's really fun. Reed, what did you bring? My fic is A Wee Monster Problem by Isis. It is for the fandom The Witcher video game. The pairing is Siri slash Ceres. Um, it is a case fic set in canon, post-canon, I guess. Um, and it's delightful. Before we get into our planned intro, I just need to acknowledge Ficklets, this episode was supposed to come out a little while ago, and I cannot overemphasize to you how hard we tried, how much we grinded to try to get this episode to you at its original air date, and it didn't work. We worked around, like, multiple flight schedules, um, family crises, we were, like, rescheduling, we changed plans, um, and on the day of, like, the third attempt at re-recording, Brenna's power was out for, like, four hours, so, you know, or, like, Wi-Fi was out for four hours, um, so sometimes you have to wait for good things. In that case, that's this episode. <laughs> but I just wanted to acknowledge it because sometimes it's like, oh no, something came up. Oh, well, we'll record later. But this one, like, I, it's been a while since we have tried so hard to make something work and then it just didn't. Yeah, we tried so incredibly hard. <laughs> this is the hardest we've tried, I think. In the past, we were just, there have been times where we were like, okay, well. Yeah. It's the too hardest late. We can't do it. This tried. one we tried so hard. <laughs> This is maybe like number two or three. I think the hardest we okay. ever tried is that one we had to re-record in person immediately after the first yeah. time we tried okay. to record it because the audio That's was corrupted. Fair. So it was too back-to-back recording. I feel like we ever tried to reschedule. Yes. yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But that's okay. We're here now with these fix. So Ficklets, you might have caught on during the intro that we picked three extremely similar fandoms. <laughs> um, they're technically different from one another, but these fics all have a lot in common. So we thought, what better way to highlight those commonalities than to bring back an old Ficklet fave intro? Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that. But now is your <laughs> chance to enjoy it. Uh, the three fic Venn diagram. I'm, you can't see, but I'm holding it up on Zoom. Oh, there okay. it is. <laughs> it disappeared Beautiful. into your dentist background. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fake. Let's I'm in a dentist's office on Zoom. You'll understand why in approximately 25 minutes, probably. <laughs> But yes, we created a Venn diagram where each of our fix is one of the circles, and we will tell you what we put in each of the circles, as well as their overlaps and the grand overlap in the middle, where I think all of us identified at least one thing, not too hard, that all three of these fix have in common. 
Yeah, Nick loves to tell lots of little jokes, but um, these fics were so different from each other tonally <laughs> and in like every other regard. As I said, because this was like supposed to be done so many weeks ago, I had to go digging and look at where I put my Venn diagram. And I I made some choices. Past me, I did not remember what Past Me had done, but you know, <laughs> that's okay. Past Me left mine incomplete. Um, <laughs> and Present Me didn't fix that. <laughs> Oh, Brenna, no. Bren, you need something for the middle. Present Brenna. It's what pa- it's what past me decreed. <laughs> no. I have no control over her. That means you have to improvise. She wrote little question marks, so clearly <laughs> she was done. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I'll start us off. I'm going to read all of my kind of individual labels for my outer circles. So these are just the things I attributed to each fic. Um, so for Reed's fic, which is The Witcher, I wrote Fake Fling. For Brenna's, which I labeled Bordain Narnia on my thing, I wrote Mouthwatering. <laughs> and then for my Untamed fic, I wrote Wenqing. Okay. All true. Um, yeah. Mine aren't very exciting for these outer circles, but they I do think they are accurate. Okay. Um, for Reed's Witcher fic, I just wrote Post Canon. Uh, <laughs> for mine, which I did also label Bord Narnia, I wrote yeah. First Person POV. <laughs> Yeah, and, and for the MDZS fic, I wrote sad-ish ending. <laughs> okay, so true. Factual. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I went by fandom, so I have Untamed Witcher, just Narnia. I guess it should have been Bored Narnia. I'm so sorry. Um, for the Untamed, I put Dentists. Um, yeah. For the Witcher, I put Women with Swords, Smiley Face. Um, and for Narnia, I put Allegorical Jesus Lions. I guess okay. just Lion. There's only one. Yeah. Yes technically true okay amazing now we're gonna get to the fun part <laughs> okay so for the overlaps for the overlap between my untamed fic and reed's witcher fic i wrote women who tumblr would make the mean lesbian side character in service of the main gay ship <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for the overlap between uh, the witcher and Bordain narnia i wrote proximity to characters who churn butter i feel like at any point during these fics the main character could like turn in a new direction and witness someone churning butter <laughs> yeah yeah true yeah and then between Bordain narnia and my untamed fic i wrote little meow meow because I feel like Wei Wuxian is kind of a little meow meow as a fandom character. And then you also could have easily seen like small talking cats <laughs> in the oh, Bourdain Narnia I was like, did fic. you make Anthony Bourdain <laughs> a little meow meow? I did not. Uh, Thank you. Um, okay, for mine, uh, between MDZS and The Witcher, I wrote teeth. Um, okay. Between... <laughs> like, again, you're not wrong. <laughs> Thank you. You almost killed Nick, who uh, was taking a sip Witcher of water. Between and Bored <laughs> yeah. Narnia, I wrote Fantasy Worlds. Yeah. And between Bored Narnia and MDZS, I wrote Odd Foods, because <laughs> of when Wei Wuxian puts ramen in a blender. Yeah, true. <laughs> I guess that works. Bren, I love when we <laughs> are so in sync unintentionally. Um, what? Because the overlap... How? Li literally how? how? Yeah. <laughs> because the overlap that I had between the Untamed and Narnia was questionable soups. Because oh my because gosh. we wish Yen puts the ramen in the blender. <laughs> and then in the yeah. Narnia fic, there's like the dredge the pond soup. Uh-huh. Wow, I really yeah. thought I had something like unique with questionable <laughs> soups. But I <laughs> once again, the Bren and Reed connection, it's too strong. For... The Untamed and Witcher, I had uh, Reconnecting with Someone from Your Past, 
And for uh, Witcher and Bored Narnia, I had Bonding Over Ale. Oh, how nice. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay, my middle of all three of these uh, ficlets, I struggled with this one a little bit. It wasn't easy, but I landed on um, questionable hospitality. I think in each of these three fics, there is someone who is taken in by someone else. And um, the extent to which that is successful is variable between the stories. I think that's all I've got for that. <laughs> I, I did my best. That's not true. I did it, though. Yeah, for the very middle, um, I just did this uh, two minutes ago. I have written identity issues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. explain please. <laughs> yes, in MDZS, they have issues because they have to like hide who they really are. Mm -hmm. um, in Witcher, Siri sort of has issues because she's hiding from Amir, and her she's hiding her like princessy identity. And then mm -hmm. in Board Narnia, he has issues because he's a human and then he gets kicked out of Narnia. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, the word issues doing so a lot of work there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> People they who all have issues things. with who they really are, but not in a sort of like grappling with yourself kind of way, in a like, <laughs> it's causing you problems. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, thank you. it's something. Thank you. <laughs> I wrote down words for sure. Yeah. Yeah, my um, center of the three that also took me some time to come up with was threatening situations. Um, okay. Like when Ning, when Ching and Wei Wuxian are on the run, just their, their general life is pretty perilous. Um, in The Witcher, they're fighting monsters and there's injuries, so that felt pretty threatening. Um, and then in Bored Narnia, he goes to like a werewolf bar and there's a lot of threatening mm -hmm. vibes happening there. So... Mm -hmm. That's my pitch. These were not All right. three fixes. with All a lot of us struggled <laughs> with that one. Yeah, this was tough. <laughs> it was tough, but Ficklets, we know you've already read all three of these stories and we're nodding along uh, at all of our comparisons. If anyone has if read all three. Yeah, exactly. If anyone has read help. all three of these stories, let us know if you've come up with something better because you probably have. Also, they're good stories, so you should read them. Yeah. Brenna posits that all three fics have identity issues. Wei Wuxian needed some tissues after reconnecting with some old people in Nick's fish. Jesus Christ. My fic for this episode is a temporary fix by AO3 user Bosgood. It is a fic for The Untamed as well as MDZS, the novel that The Untamed is based on. It is uh, kind of a character and dynamic study, mostly a gen fic, featuring Wei Wuxian, Wenqing, and Wenning. This was a recommendation in the FitClick Discord server, which you should join if you're not in already, uh, by Compass Rose, who said this modern untamed story in which the ones are running from immigration services with Wei Wuxian's help absolutely wrecked my heart. Um, that pitch was more than enough for me to click in and go, ooh, what's this? And I loved it. I thought it was a really great story. So I was excited to bring it. Um, Ficklets, I described benders about the untamed before in my fic click journey, particularly around reading a bunch of modern AU fic with no canon knowledge. Um, now I have most of the canon knowledge. I watched the entire show in the span of like two weeks and I'm halfway through volume four of five of the MDZS novel. I've been flying. I have been living my best life 
and it's been a real journey. So I am speaking to you now um, with knowledge of this show and this canon. Very exciting. I'm going to give a little bit of background about these three and their relationship in the original source material, and then I'll give you some overview of the fic, and then we can hear what my co-host thought about it, and then we can discuss. But I feel like this is one that does benefit from a little bit more context and knowledge. So Wenqing and Wenning are siblings from the One Clan, and Wei Wuxian is kind of our main guy in the Untamed. If you know about the Untamed, you've probably heard of him. Uh, he is very magical and a little bit evil sometimes, but only sometimes. The three of them initially meet in the kind of past younger timeline. They are all studying at the same clan, kind of sect, and they meet one another during the in the years prior to the Sunshot campaign. So this is a war between the one clan and the other clans in this world. Wenqing and Wenning are part of a kind of offshoot of the one clan. Basically, they're the not evil part of it. However, they're kind of associated with the evil doings of the One Clan. So Wei Wuxian later on in the story kind of takes them in along with the rest of their family and community, and the three of them alongside the rest of these sort of refugees become kind of a family for a while. This fic takes some of those ideas, specifically Wei Wuxian providing some kind of like safe harbor for Wenqing and Wenning, who are being persecuted basically by everyone, including their own clan through this part of the story, and it modernizes it and takes it to kind of a new setting. But their relationship is quite important. They are important to each other, and I'm very, very fond of their dynamic in the source material. Um... I won't spoil anything else about it, because I think that's all you need to be able to at least vaguely understand this story. The other two main characters who are kind of important in this story are Lan Xichen and Lan Wangji. They are brothers, um, and Lan Wangji and Wei Wuxian, again, if you've heard of The Untamed, you probably know about these guys, have a long and storied and dramatic history. This fic doesn't get super into exactly what happened in all of that. Um, just know that they are important to each other and have not seen each other for a while and that that is kind of a canon parallel. Okay, fantastic. Now you have so much context. Um, this story is about, yeah, the three of them basically being on the run, and then Wei Wuxian develops dental issues and has to go to the dentist. That is the driving conflict of this story. Um, I think the author makes a lot of smart decisions about it and really elevates what seems like a banal conflict into a real driving force for a fairly short story. Let me double check my length here. Yeah, it's about 11,000 words long. I think it goes pretty quick. So highly recommend that you give it a read if you're interested. Now is a great time to go do that. Otherwise, join us for the rest of this discussion. In terms of content warnings, one of the central conflicts um, in this story and one of the sort of central pillars that it's built upon is that Wenqing and Wenning are kind of on the run from immigration services. So we have that element of kind of government violence against people that is relevant in the story, and there is quite a lot of like dread and tension around that. There is the implication that these characters have trauma. Again, it doesn't go into super deep detail about exactly what happened in the past, but they definitely are kind of exhibiting symptoms of trauma throughout this story. Plus the dental stuff. Um, I don't think it gets into super heavy detail about that either, but if you absolutely hate the dentist and never want to think about it at all, maybe this one is one that you skip. The story itself is also pretty well tagged, so feel free to go take a look if you're considering reading it. Okay, that is what I have for y'all. I would love to hear what my co-hosts thought about this story. 
Yeah, I really liked this story. I think it did some interesting things um, that we haven't really seen or talked about much before on the pod. Um, one of those being just that it centers um, like platonic and like familial relationships more than anything else. Um, there's like implications of past Wang Xian, but like that's the most you get in terms of romantic things. I really loved like Wen Qing as our POV character. I thought this fic did such a good job of painting who the characters are in this story in this moment. Um, I now have the least amount of canon knowledge from the three of us, um, but you know, still some amount of knowledge. Uh, but I think it was really helpful for me to have such strong views of who each character was and who they were to each other. Like I felt like all of their emotions and interactions felt really grounded and they felt really whole as characters. Um, as you said, Nick, it's not a particularly long fic, but they all felt like they had a lot of depth and nuance. And there's a lot of like implied history between them that I think really like lends to this moment in time that we're seeing in this fic. For such a banal problem that is like, oops, I have a toothache, it's definitely a fic with a lot of like low level tension the whole way through. The fact of going to the dentist to get this tooth problem fixed is not that simple for Wen Qing, Wen Ning, or Wei Wuxian. And the complexities around something that like might be an ordinary event to somebody else, I think really led to this level of like, I can't say I was as tense as the characters in this fic, that's not true, but there was definitely like tension in my body as I was reading, like I was definitely wondering what might go wrong because Lord knows Wen Qing is planning for a lot of different possibilities of things going wrong. I will say one thing about the fic that it wasn't quite like a struggle with the fic, but just something that stood out to me as I was reading is I remember being about like halfway through and I left a note where I was like, I don't know how this fic is going to like resolve all of the things that I think it's going to resolve within the space that it has left. Because I had a lot of questions about what exactly they were on the run from, like what had sort of happened in the past. Um, like when when they show up to the clinic, there's all of this implied history with like Lan Si Chen and like the Lans in general. And I was like really eager to get more of that. Um, and you don't in the fic. It doesn't really ever explicitly state what has happened in the past. It just gives you hints. Um, there is some more information in the author's replies in the comments that I did go looking for, which was nice to have. But I do think, like, in general, I'm someone who, I don't mind an open or ambiguous ending. Um, I actually quite like it oftentimes, but I think it was open and ambiguous in ways I was not expecting. Like, open and ambiguous in terms of what happens in the future or, like, what might happen to these characters or like the relationships between them, that all made sense to me. But I think I was expecting like a little bit more clarity or explanation or something of like the past and like the broader scale plot that has informed like who they are in this moment that we didn't really get. And I still really liked this fic and there's so much about it that I really enjoyed. But that definitely um, was just something I noticed that when I got to the end of the fic, I was like, oh, in reference to my note that I left in the middle, it just doesn't. It doesn't like answer these questions that I was having halfway through. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. It's just something that stuck out to me as a reader who frequently wants answers to questions. Yeah, this fic was very different from, I think, like what I went into it expecting and not in a bad way at all. I just like, one, I didn't really read the tags. Um, I usually am a tag reader, but like when something sort of brought for fic click, I have a tendency to read less carefully because I'm not necessarily looking for the same, like, major do not wants that I usually like have to scan for when I'm reading for myself because I trust that if it includes something I absolutely hate Nick and Reed either wouldn't have brought it or would have given me a heads up about it so I usually go in feeling pretty like confident that there's not going to be anything that's like triggery so I usually don't read the tags super carefully this did not have anything triggery I just did not expect it to have the sort of like 
open-ended melancholy kind of sad not wrapped up ending that it did it's tagged emotional hurt comfort but like where is the comfort <laughs> literally <laughs> ao3 user boss good you did not comfort me you only hurt me okay i had the exact same thing where i got to the end of the fic and i hadn't read the tags because i don't read tags for fic like fix i scrolled back up i saw that and i just all capitals in my notes was where's the comfort and then i like went into nick's room in our like personal discord server and was like knock knock how could you have done this to me i was so sad yeah there was not comfort in this fic this fic is a sad fic that made me really sad honestly um and like knowing that it all works out for them in well Mm. that's a completely false (laughs) statement (laughs) knowing that in the untamed Wei Wuxian gets a happy-ish ending at the very end like does absolutely nothing to comfort me in this fic because the ways that he gets that happy-ish ending in canon don't exist in our world and also it's certainly not a happy ending for either of the ones who we know and love so I was just like oh great everything's gonna be awful (laughs) And we wish and you were too stubborn once again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like the characterization was excellent. These are all characters I really, really enjoy in both canon and in the fix that I've read that center on them. Um, it was really enjoyable to read something else about the Wens. Um, I always like when they are brought into fix. And considering that they do have an unhappy ending in canon, it is nice to like venture into an au where you can have them be a little bit more present or potentially change their ending here we don't know what their ending is gonna be like it very much leaves off with more of their story untold um but you could imagine a happy ending maybe there is one we don't know um yeah i really liked also just the intricacies of something that shouldn't be so intricate (laughs) Like, even as someone who is fully a documented American citizen, getting healthcare and dental care is a fucking pain. It sucks. It sucks so bad navigating these systems that, like, should be relatively easy. And it's something that I objectively know is also difficult for a multitude of other reasons. But, like, I did enjoy how this fic sort of used that as a tool to sort of demonstrate just how difficult their lives were like every single thing that you think should be not that big an issue like presents big issues um in a way that i thought was just really well done um and like very sensitive also towards people in the real world and not this fictional story who are experiencing similar difficulties in their lives um yeah i think my one sort of gripe other than just being like where's my comfort (laughs) um which like it was a gripe in a way but also like i do think the story was really well done i just wanted to be comforted at the end um i think my one gripe was a similar one to reads i am a little bit of a world building snob like that's a me problem um and i think like Honestly, I've really come to that realization in the last couple of years reading both fic, but also a lot of published fiction where like, I'm just like, okay, this is something that I do really care about and affects my reading. Um, and not everyone feels that way by any means. So I don't think it's something that like has to be done. But I think especially in terms of like the background for the Wen clan in this fic, that's where I struggled a little bit. Um, with the lawns, I was able to sort of like put a little bit more just together in my head, knowing sort of canon and like what interactions like Wei Wuxian would have had with both lawn brothers at this point in time in the story. But it's much harder to sort of like take what the Wens did 
and put it into a modern context. So I was like, I, it had honestly been something I was very curious about because I felt like this fic was so sensitive towards the struggles of Wenqing and Wenning and Wei Wuxian. Like, I was very curious to see sort of like how they handled the issue of the rest of the Wen clan. So I think in that too, I was just a little bit disappointed because I thought this author would have done a good job of handling that and given me something very interesting to like chew on. Mm regarding that that sort of situation um so i think it was both just that like again i am a little bit of like a world building snob but also i just think it would have been something interesting for this author to explore because i think that they would have handled it in an interesting way if they'd chosen to yeah i am often a bit of a kind of character development and prose snob and this fic banged in both of those (laughs) categories let's go (laughs) so i had a great time i also enjoy like taking a dip into the ocean of misery if you will so this fic really (laughs) allowed me that um i don't know i loved how sad it was um i loved how melancholy so much of it was Um, And like Bren said, right, it felt very sensitive to the social commentary it was trying to make. At no point did I even feel like a glimmer of like, oh, it's using this for shock value or whatever. Like, it just felt so much like this is the path that these characters are on and these are the obstacles that they then naturally are dealing with. So I appreciated that quite a lot. And I do think it did a really beautiful job of looking at their characters and identifying some of those core characteristics and how they would interact with one another. That's one of my favorite things about AU fic in general. What do we keep from characters and how do those things translate? I think it's fabulous. One other thing I wanted to say about why I brought this fic is I mentioned this in the anniversary episode, I think, but all of us have been thinking about finding different ways to kind of diversify our reading now after four years. Um, so we have done quite a lot of fix about various East Asian fandoms, but I wanted to bring a female main character. Um, that's something I know Reed can relate. <laughs> that's just because you brought one this episode. <laughs> Sorry, <No>. Brad. <laughs> I didn't mean to no, no, imply that you were toxic. I was confused about what Reed was relating on. <laughs> Brenna hates characters with women POVs. <laughs> Oh, hates characters, hates fix. Yeah, yeah. What's that mean? (laughs) Uh, No, I just hate women. Oh, wow! You heard it here first. (laughs) I I didn't know this. I've been friends with her for so long. I'm just learning. (laughs) This is just like the heterophobic scandal of I don't know. Maybe last year when it was June and Brenna only brought heterosexual fix. It wasn't. That was not a heterophobic scandal. Sorry, so true, homophobic, homophobic scandal. Yeah. Because Bren was only thinking about sexual Yeah, come on, Reed, get it right. My brain is not on today. We're going to hope it turns on at some point in recording. Yeah, stay strong. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, I love Wenqing. I had just finished, well, I think I was in the middle of watching The Untamed still when I saw this fic wreck and jumped on it. Um, I just love her. I think her character is wonderful. The show expanded her role a bit in a way that I enjoyed. And I do really think I don't know much about this fandom. I have not ventured out much beyond my emotions and AO3 and like a couple people that I text about it. But I would not be surprised if she, uh, as part of the legacy of very cool and interesting and morally great female characters, was like simply shafted by a good majority of fandom. So I had to represent and bring her and like a version of her that I thought was really, really excellently rendered here. She's so tough in this fic, but it's because she has to be. Amen. Wow, Reed, you would love the untamed. (laughs) 
Well, you know, as stated so many times on this pod, Brent and I watch The Untamed together at a rate of about three episodes a year. So I've seen some of her. Yeah. Sorry that The Untamed isn't one of your little animes read. <laughs> yeah, you're like my Weebera. Because <laughs> then you'd watch it. Oh, well, at this point, like, we've started it together. I'm not going to go watch it on my own. You can watch it on your no, own. I don't want to. <laughs> I only want to watch it if we're watching it together. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> i also am only for the most part watching my animes watching my anime with other people <laughs> it's the only way i consume tv i know it took us a long time to schedule this episode and like make it work but we could stop now and have read watch more of the episodes <laughs> instead because we know they're free okay okay ficklets i guess i'll just release this much of the episode tune back in whenever for the rest of this discussion of the other two fix so short <laughs> Like, I didn't think this was a mini-sode. It's not. It's part one. We've never done, like, a part one, part two of a normal episode. No, because why That's would so we? true. <laughs> that seems like such Maybe a waste. We should. <laughs> no, I think we should talk about this good fic now in this moment. And I can watch The Untamed another time. Yes, we've talked a little bit about what this fic is about. But more specifically, um, Wei Wuxian does have a tooth problem. Um... Wen Ching and Wen Ning are both like, okay, this has gotten too bad. This is not just something that like a little bit of Tylenol and like soft foods can help heal. Like we need to get you to a dentist. So they find like a local clinic um, that they can probably go to. And surprise, surprise, the dentist working at the clinic is Lanzi Chen, who they know from the past in a way that isn't explained here. But if you're a fan of The Untamed, you're like, okay, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> um there's a lot of very interesting sort of back and forth um, using language as a bit of a barrier to like help protect their privacy and like create this way to communicate between the three of them. Um, it turns out that Wei Wuxian is going to need to come back for a second appointment to like fully fix the tooth problem. And when he does, Lan Chen has recruited his brother, Long Wan Ji, who we all know and love, um, to also be there in the guise of a translator, even though they don't actually need one because they all do speak the same language. Um, but Zichen has sort of set this up so Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian can see each other again. I felt the tenderest of tender feelings and then they were ripped away from me so harshly. <laughs> I was really upset. Um, after the second appointment where the tooth problem is fully fixed, uh, Wen Qing and Wei Wuxian are basically just like, we out um and they get winning and they just like dip out of town and it makes a lot of sense for their situation but it also makes me really sad um because this is also definitely the point in the books and i actually have read the books this is definitely the point in the show and presumably also the books where long one is like just let me help you and Wei Wuxian is like you don't understand which like yeah long one g kind of doesn't understand but he's trying okay and it probably would have been bad for Wei Wuxian to go back to cloud recesses at this point in the story and he probably would have been unhappy but also yeah i um <laughs> i was gonna say like I i'm maybe i'm jumping on brenna's train because instead of talking about women i'm gonna go talk about the men for a second sorry Bren, we're really just slandering you in this episode <laughs> Yeah, you absolutely are. It's fine. I know long-term listeners will understand. Anyone who's just picking this podcast up, I'm so sorry. Um, um, we're going to do like a Ficklick census poll, and it's going to be all of the <laughs> late 2023 and onward listeners. <laughs> There's a weird dip in like Brenna approval ratings. <laughs> what? Do you, is this going to happen for the rest of the episodes this year? I don't know. You tell me. No, I don't think so. 
I just what I what I meant by this instead of um, bullying my co-host was that I did want to talk about one of the scenes between Wei Wuxian and Lang Wenji. And Wen Qing is there as well, but I was really feeling so many emotions in the moment. And it's um, they're waiting for Si Chen to be available. And they're sitting in the waiting room and all three of them are so stiff and awkward because they're pretending like they don't know each other. And they're pretending like Lang Wenji needs to be translating for them, even though there's a line in the fic about how all of them speak better English than Chinese. And Lang Wenji is trying to telepathically communicate the fact that he has adopted A Yuan. Um, he's like, I have a son. And Wei Wuxian is like so strange, like that's so great. And like Lang Wenji is just staring at him and eventually pulls out his phone and is showing Wei Wuxian and Wenqing photos of A Yuan. And even as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of context for canon, I was dying I was dying. They're having this whole conversation about Long Wenji's son as though like he is not a vitally important person to both like Wei Wuxian and Wenqing. Long Wenji's like, yes, like here's recent developments I've seen with him. Here's his personality. And Wei Wuxian is trying not to like break into a million pieces in this dental waiting room, but it's okay because I was doing the breaking into a million pieces instead. Oh, okay. Wei Wuxian was keeping it together better than I was. That scene ruined me. I was like, I just wanted to fling myself into the cold expanse of space and just never be seen from again. It was so devastating. It was so upsetting. Seen from? Never what? be heard from. You never want to be seen never from? Oh. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what I get. I bully you and then I get bullied back because my brain's not online and that's deserved. Sorry. No, you're, I just said it was deserved. I'm always getting bullied for stumbling over my words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for being homophobic and for being a misogynist. <laughs> Ooh, tough break <laughs> during this discussion. It's a tough world over here. Yeah. Um, that scene also put my gourd through several wood chippers. It's like w one wood chipper that the wood chips feed into the next one and get chipped again. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, there is something so horrendously emotionally affecting about the ruse of the translation when he's just repeating things back and forth. Mm, and there's so many emotions wrapped up in it, but none of them actually, like, it's such a, it is a brilliant metaphor and microcosm of, like, the struggle that they're going through, where they have to play these very specific parts and never step out of line or else there are dire, dire consequences. And, like, the fact that when Lan Wangji is involved, he also ends up having to play by that same set of very constrictive rules is so smart on like a form level and a craft level to create this space where the thing that needs to be said can only be said in a very, very specific set of ways. And the power that like the agency that you have in order to like actually navigate this conversation is largely stripped away. And so you're like walking the the single plank bridge, if you will, in this conversation. And it was heart wrenching. I really loved it. Um, a side note about language in this story is not only do we have the translation um, aspect of it and the kind of multilingual aspect of it, but there's also a portion at the beginning of the story where Wei Lushian cannot speak because his tooth. Ouch. So he is writing everything down. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just, Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be economical with my words. Um, yeah. He writes everything down on paper and holds it up to Wen Qing. And one of the bits early on that felt very, very uh, representative tonally of the rest of the story was one that I flagged to read out for you all, just so you can get a sense of what the prose is like and what the tone is that we're working with here. 
Wei Wuxian uncaps the pen and scrawls, Are you absolutely, that's all caps and underlined, sure we can't just... He holds up the paper and mimes yanking something out of his mouth, but the levity he's affected through the pureed dinners and silly drawings is gone. His face is serious. So Wen Qing gives him a serious answer. Wei Wuxian, my next best idea is to steal something to pawn for dentist money. Like, it's so brutal. And it's so real, and it feels so accurate to the period of the show in the burial mounds where Wei Wuxian is with the One Clan, and they are trying to have a nice and beautiful environment and community and this like vibrancy, and there genuinely just isn't space for a lot of the joy that they're trying to inject into what they're doing, which is just the best they can with what they have. Yeah, I want to go back a second to the scene where... They all learn that uh, Long Wanji has adopted and is raising Ayuan. Um, so Long Wanji is talking and he says, The adoption went through in June. I hope his family of origin would approve. It takes a moment for his words to penetrate. Wen Qing blinks and refocuses, and Wei Wuxian is eyeing her tentatively. She gusts out a breath. What do. When someone abandons a kid, they don't get a say after that. Of course, he should have a family, a life. She nudges Wei Wuxian. Right? Of course, he says, nonplussed. But you know. He pushes the heel of his sneaker into the floor. Sometimes a kid isn't abandoned by choice. And it's just so... Ayo3 user Bosgood, I'm I'm under your floorboards. Yeah, we are in your walls. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I feel like is really excellently done here but also very reflective of the narrative choices i took away from watching the untamed and like other untamed fic i've read is like this sort of talking around something <laughs> that happens so much in this canon um and i thought it was really interesting here that like even though they are speaking in chinese which ostensibly no one else in the clinic with them speaks um they are still like not able to like actually say what they mean everything is sort of like these layers of meaning hidden behind like polite conversation about like oh can i show you a picture of my son he's four years old and like it's just brutal but it's so good too and i really liked also how this conversation brought wen ching in to that dynamic as well as like a when <laughs> um and Ayuan being a when as well before he gets adopted into the Lan clan. Um, I just absolutely adored how that conversation was written out here in terms of like moving the narrative forward. And once again, it just also did a very masterful job of conveying these points that like fans have already sort of experienced in canon to an extent and like reformatting them and putting them within this like different context that I found just like really emotionally impactful. Um, I think that's kind of one of the coolest things that fic can do often, especially like when you're reading an AU fic. Um, okay, I only have one last like major thing to say about this story, and then I will let us kind of, I will let Reed say whatever piece they have to add if they want, and then I'll let us move on, <laughs> even though I will never move on from this fic, actually. I like remembered that I loved it, and then during our discussion, I feel like I fell in love with it again. It's so good. Uh, okay, my last piece is I just love the way Wenjing is written. Like, there's a big reason I brought this fic when I was like, oh, I really want to bring a female main character. She is so brittle. She is so kind of upright and strong and also fragile and also struggling and run down and burnt out and desperate. And I just think she is such a brilliant layered character. And this fic did her such justice. Her POV is fantastic. Um, 
If I still highly recommend you read this story. Now we've spoiled all kinds of things. That's fine, though. You guys like that, I heard. So, <laughs> wow. I just know like, this particular version of her is going to be sitting with me for a very, very long time. And I am very glad we got to talk about her and the many trappings of this wretched, wonderful story. Yeah, the last thing I was going to say was basically just the same thing. I, I did want to read like a little bit from her POV because she's so... She's almost like exacting or like distant and clinical from the horrible things that are happening because she has to be. She's just calculating the best possible odds for the three of them, but, but especially for Wen Ning. And I feel like a bit that really just like ex exemplified who she was in this fic to me was um, what it always comes down to is safety. If Wen Qing were to slip and get caught, it would be extremely bad for her. It could mean death if she were lucky and excruciating drawn out pain if she weren't. But it could happen. It could be allowed to happen. Nothing can happen to Wen Ning. Oh, Wenching! <laughs> Not this. I say as though I didn't bring this for us to discuss. <laughs> um, yeah, once again, AO3 user Boscoid, where's the comfort in the hurt slash comfort? We don't need it. I Let's do. Let's just weep together. I want it. I mean, the I don't need it, but I want it. comfort can be sitting in a pile and crying <laughs> I don't openly. need it, but I want it. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Well, that was our discussion of a temporary fix by Bosgood, a fic that we all feel extremely normal about, centered around characters that we feel even more normal about. Thank you. Unlike Wei Wuxian, we're about to really sink our teeth into this next fic. Brenna? Yeah, so my fic for this episode is No Reservations Narnia by Idono Hana. Um, as I mentioned in the very beginning of this episode, this is a crossover between Anthony Bourdain's No Reservation series and the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Um, two equally beloved series. <laughs> Um, I'm sure there are fans who are equally dedicated to both. Um, I regretfully have really not experienced much Anthony Bourdain content. This is something that I should fix because I honestly love the clips that I've seen and I love like food shows like that. And like, I mean, he was very much a pioneer in his field. Um, but even so, even just with a small amount I have consumed, I thought this just had great characterization. It's such a charming concept and one that like, could have fallen very flat or felt very awkward, but instead was executed really, really well. I think this may have been mentioned in our Discord server um, at some point by someone, but I found it through the uh, AO3 collection International Fanworks Day 2022 Classic Fic Rex. Um, this was in there and I hadn't read it before. It is from 2010 and it absolutely slaps. Um, Honestly, especially in comparison to Nick's fic that made us all very sad, this is just a sort of charming, mostly quite lighthearted romp um, through Narnia, through the guise of food um, and using food as a way to meet a lot of the different citizens of Narnia um, before they all get kicked out by for being human. I don't think I really have any content warnings for this. Um, again, it's pretty lighthearted uh, and nothing too severe happens to anyone. There are just like a lot of food descriptions. So if, if for some reason that puts you off, there's that. But um, I don't think there's any actual true content warnings. Before we get more into it, my co-hosts, uh, what were your experiences with this fic? I liked it so much. I thought it was extremely good. It really is uh yeah it was a pick me up after my fic for sure <laughs> uh 
Um, it is incredibly voicey. It's a lot of fun. It pays so much attention to detail around setting and the senses while still being very, very much, uh, I guess you could call it a character-driven story. Um, is there like a deep and intense plot and sense of ongoing tension and conflict? Not really. Do I think this fic needed that? Not at all. Not even remotely. Um, it was just really joyful. I mean, it's so fun to get a crossover of two media properties you really would never expect to see squished together. And it's even more fun when they somehow manage to bring fun things out of one another. I just never would have anticipated this kind of a thing. This did come out of uh, Yuletide 2010 as well. Um, I would love to know what that letter looked like. What inspired this author, Idanohana? To put these things together in the way that they did, I just... Delightful. Um, I laughed out loud at multiple points. It is a first-person POV, and I am a first-person POV apologist, truther, and stan. So I was really excited about that, too. I'm sure I will have a bunch of lines to read out, because I think getting a sense for the story through the prose, and specifically kind of like the authorial voice, is the way to do it. And you'll get a really good sense, I think, quite quickly of why we found this so fun. Yeah, we are discussing these fics in the opposite order that I read them, and the tonal shift from going from Bren's, like, lovely, heartwarming fic where I just had a good time, as Nick said, like, I laughed out loud several times, it was witty, it was just so delightful, and then I got, like, four lines into Nick's fic, and I was like, okay, I'm having a horrible time, I mean, like, I'm having a great time, but, like, a horrible time emotionally um, was something, I'm kind of, like, it's actually nice to be doing this in reverse this time and be soothing <laughs> myself with bored Narnia. Um, after this is what producing. that author meant by hurt comfort. They assumed <laughs> that you would then go on to read <laughs> No Reservations <laughs> Narnia by Hidono Hana. Probably. Probably. Yeah. It wasn't mentioned, but I can't it imagine that wasn't what they intended. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in that case, then a perfect reading experience, or at least discussion experience. Yeah, I liked so much about this fic. I thought the prose just did such a good job setting, like, the tone of this warm and welcoming, even when things are, like, not warm nor welcoming to Anthony Bourdain, I felt warm and welcomed in this fic. And I think it was really clear, both from the fic and especially from the author's note, how much this author was in their element. Uh, this fic is quite short, and the author's note is not quite half the length of the fic, but frankly, like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of it. It's a very long author's note where they go into all of the inspiration for, like, the Narnia food that was chosen and things about Anthony Bourdain. And it was, first of all, just delightful reading that. But second of all, I always really, really love when a fic feels like something where an author is talking about something, if they're not, like, an expert in, at least something that they have a lot of passion for. Like, I don't know, bring your fic to work day. But I don't know if this author has anything to do with the food industry, but they clearly have a lot of thoughts and feelings about food and, like, food as an avenue for culture and exploration. And I thought all of that was very apparent in this fic and very well done. I think something that brings about the sort of like charming nature of this, even when Anthony and co are experiencing things that are <laughs> maybe not quite so charming is the fact that like he keeps going into these situations being like, ugh. <laughs> and then actually finding something like really delightful and like worthwhile and meaningful and like some sort of connection with the other characters from Narnia that he's meeting, which I, I gather is a very Anthony Bourdain type thing um but i also just found that a lovely sort of reoccurring 
narrative element throughout this as he travels around to different areas within Narnia and meets different folk and tries their food. Um, I did just want to read, like, honestly, just the very first little bit, just to give you a sense of the tone, um, because I think that's really important to this fic. And if you haven't read it, I mean, it is only like two and a half K or something. So it's a really quick read. Even if you want to read it after we discuss it, I would recommend, um, read or at least add fic, it to your mark for later. <laughs> um, all right, it begins. I'm crammed into a burrow so small that my knees are up around my ears and the boom mic keeps slamming into my head, inhaling the potent scent of toffee apple brandy and trying to drink a talking mouse under the table. But is it really the boom mic that make that's making my head pound? I know for sure that my cameraman doesn't usually have two heads. I have to face facts. The mouse is winning. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, from the beginning, it just has such a clear tone and such a clear character the voice is just amazing throughout um and i think even just that gives you a really clear idea of how the rest of the fic is gonna sound um yeah i just like like i said at the beginning even without being super well versed in the uh writings and videos of uh anthony bourdain like i could really hear the fic um and I just loved it. Also, I have always been very partial to sort of like fantasy foods. I think it's really funny too. I think we we were maybe talking about this in pre-discussion, but I really vividly remember reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in elementary school and someone's parent bringing in Turkish Delight and being like, this is what Edmund threw it all away for. <laughs> but even like that aside, I feel like for so many people, that scene has just this like elevated feeling about the food that like is not something I usually experience in real life it just has this like whimsy and wonder about what he's eating and you're just like how could something taste that good in a way that only fantasy food I feel like can evoke um so I just like I think because of that as well like I really enjoyed this little window into sort of the fictional fantastical foods of Narnia um yeah, so I just found it extra charming on, like, an additional level. Yeah, it's interesting because I think I, when writing, I do enjoy including kind of cooking and food and descriptions of food, but never to the lush extent that fantasy likes to, and especially a story like this likes to. Uh, it is really interesting. I think I've I've seen kind of discussions in general online around how hard it can be once you have written a lot of reviews of food to find new things to say. And I was thinking about this in the context of, um, I recently went to a book signing um, for the launch debut of Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang, which is about a chef during a climate disaster where smog covers like 98% of Earth. And this chef is invited to these mountains in northern Italy where there's these billionaires and they're trying to grow new food and they have they have these like really lush mouth-watering descriptions of foods that she didn't get to have because she was living in the smog. Anyway, I was thinking about some of the things that the author Zhang was saying during the signing specifically around how we evoke the senses and how for her writing about food injects life into her story and how it was such a central part of living versus just being alive in the arc of the characters in Land of Milk and Honey. I haven't read it yet. I'm very excited to. It sounds very good and it's not that long, so I'm sure I'll power through it at some point. 
But I was thinking about that in the context of this story, too, and how our main character, Anthony Bourdain, <laughs> he... I haven't seen much of his show either. I haven't read any of his books, um, but there is such a clear love from Idan Ohana around how this man talks about food and thinks about food and like experiences it. And that felt so reflected in this story too, where yes, the meals, even the ones that seemed gross because they have muck in them, <laughs> literally, um, they felt so alive on the page and this whole story felt so alive when it could have been just a series of descriptions of things one after another after another like it had a pulse which i loved quick little side note that reminds me of a tiktok i saw earlier today from a food tiktoker i enjoy who was talking about being pro slop as a meal <laughs> like who makes slop <laughs> oh my god and it reminded me a little bit of this fic <laughs> Nick, what you were just saying is reminding me of the fact that um, very recently I listened to the audiobook for Crying in H Mart, which is a memoir, um, and it covers a lot of the author's life and it focuses a lot on her relationship with her mother, um, but it always comes back to this central point of food and specifically Korean food and the role that it's played in her life, again, in the relationship with her mother, in her relationship with other people, um, as sort of like a grounding point and... I thought it was like such a clever and good grounding point. And it's making me think about with this fic and what you were also just saying, um, how food can be such a touch point for connecting with people across cultures and experiences. Um, there's a line, speaking of muck and slop, uh, there's a line that I want to read that I, I thought was like really lovely. This is about, um, by the way, when Anthony visits the uh, Marsh Wiggles. So the fic reads, so they aren't the world's best cooks. They still have their own traditions, their own way of life, and their own sardonic pleasures. They welcomed, in their own unique manner, a bunch of strangers thrust upon them as a joke, and offered us the best they had without compromising themselves in an effort to please. I respect that. You're sorry you came, I'm sure, says Cellar Dank. Not at all, I say, and I mean it. And I was like, that's so lovely, because all of the food that Anthony had in this land of the Marshwiggles was pretty bad, like potatoes that tasted like mud, etc. And yet he still comes away from it like, but there's so much to appreciate here, even if the food itself was not my particular cup of tea. I don't know. I thought it, it really felt to me kind of like the heart of this fic. Something that we talk about often on this pod, I think, honestly, especially when it comes to Yuletide fix for some reason, well, actually, I feel like I know the reason, um, <laughs> is how much we love when an author sort of builds out upon something that they obviously have a passion about or a large amount of knowledge about. Um, I feel like there is that sort of like ongoing joke in fandom about like when you can read something and you can tell it's someone's job, but there's also like when you can just tell that it's someone's passion. Um, and I feel like we always bring like sort of niche little fan works from Yuletide where someone's written about something just completely unexpected. And for this one, obviously there is a love for Anthony Bourdain, but there's obviously also just like a love for food in general. And we've already talked about just like the amazing descriptions, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to, to the end notes um, from the author where they sort of go through and discuss some of the very specific uh, meals and cuisines that they have outlined in uh, the fic and twists that they put on things that are from the real world, um, cookbooks that inspired them, as well as just some things that they purely made up. And I just loved being able to get a little bit more depth and context for sort of like what exists in this fic. I felt like that was really impactful as well. Um, I don't really want want to eat a lot of the things that they eat in this fic. Um, that is just also kind of a, a 
through line um with me and food shows is like I love watching other people enjoy it and sometimes I wish I could want to eat it but I don't always <laughs> um and I have my food restrictions of my own that like make things somewhat difficult sometimes upon food and travel um Brenna some reservations <laughs> Brenna some reservations yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, I would not be eating some of the raw meat stuff that the wearer folks do. That's not, that's not for me. Um, <laughs> Especially considering you don't eat much meat to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Like, I already don't eat red meat. I'm not going to eat, like, raw red meat. <laughs> but that being said, like, even though I have my own restrictions, I still really enjoy just, like, hearing about the things that I'm probably never going to eat or experience. I mean, that's, like, a joy of... TV and literature in general is like experiencing the things you're never going to experience. So even if I could go out and eat some of these things, like it's better for me to read about them. And um, yeah, I just really like, I loved getting to the end and sort of seeing this whole outline of the various cookbooks and other mediums that this author was able to gain inspiration from and how like diligently they sort of matched up uh, various parts of Narnia with various cuisines. One particularly fun thing about this story on a meta level, I feel like, is how many different ways people have come to it, because it is quite a popular story. But it's also not one that I think would be easy to stumble upon on your own if other people had not found ways to make that easier. So it is a Yuletide story. People do tend to poke around in those and recommend those a fair bit. As Brenna mentioned, it was also recommended for International Fan Works Day. Uh, lots of fun in that collection, so highly encourage enterprising ficlets as well who want to explore the wide world of fanfiction, as we all often do, to poke around in that collection and see what people's favorite stories are. Um, I also saw in one of the comments it was recommended on a Dreamwith community called Gensplosion, uh, which makes sense because I definitely would consider this to be a Gen story. Uh, the rec also reminded me that the two tagged characters are Anthony Bourdain and Reepicheep, which I was just looking <laughs> at so that. Funny. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, but yeah, like this fic feels so well suited to recommendation culture, right? This sense that like I found something very niche and very fun and very enjoyable, and I want to share it with other people. So I'm going to find a way to do that. And fandom has so many avenues within which to do that. Even when we mentioned that this was a fic we were bringing, multiple ficlets were like cheering in the Discord server. <laughs> they were very excited, as they should be. Um, so I just really love that. And I love how connected this particular story feels, both through the recommendations and then the author linking their own dream with um, to fandom as a whole. It just feels very kind of quintessentially fandom, even if it might not be quote unquote fan fiction genre. Spoilers for a future miniseries. <laughs> Yeah, Nick, you referencing the link to Dream With had me thinking about that because it is at the bottom of their author's note, um, and it is a 2018 post that is sort of a reflection on Anthony Bourdain, um, which was really lovely. And I had scrolled through some of the comments, and in the comments, a couple people said, you know, because Anthony Bourdain had just passed, I returned to your Narnia fic once again, like, for comfort and to sort of live a little bit in the world and the culture that he had created. And I feel like that just ties in really nicely with what you were saying about, like, rec culture and sort of the place that this fic holds within fandom and certain subsets of fandom. Also, I do just want to say, makes sense that like Anthony Bourdain and Reepicheep are the two tagged characters because um, 
their existing characters, so to speak. But I really wish that Beth the Grill Bitch had gotten a tag because that <laughs> moniker made me laugh so hard. No, you're so right. It's like, that's so tough for Beth, but you Absolutely. know what? I think she owns it. Love her. It could also just have been the thing of like, with Yuletide, you tag the characters who were in the tag set or whatever. Yeah. So maybe gr- Beth the girl bitch wasn't an option, but it's really sad. <laughs> is she real? That's the thing is like, I don't I, know. I'm Googling she her. She could be in my heart. I did read the entirety of um <gasps> the line. Oh, she's real. <gasps> she's real. I totally thought this was an Idan Ohana creation. I first worked with Beth Oretsky, who later came to identify herself as the grill bitch at one fifth, one of the many long gone New York <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> There's oh, so she's like she's in, real. in our world. Yes, real. Oh. But I thought you meant she was real, as in like a Narnia I character. Also you meant she's a Narnia real character. human being. You could go find her. I mean, don't Figlets, <laughs> leave her alone. But yeah. Oh wow. Okay, actually, knowing that that's a real person, maybe I don't want Beth the Grill Bitch to be a character tag. Beth, I don't know <laughs> how you would feel about leave being like an RPF character tag. But when I thought it was a fictional creation, um, yeah. loved that. I do also love that it's a real reference. Thank you so much for joining us at No Reservations Narnia. I hope that you get to eat something extra delicious today and that it's not filled with slop and muck unless you want it to be filled with slop and muck. So true. Speaking of slop and muck, in Reedsick, Siri sure goes slopping through the muck to hunt some monsters. My fic is A Wee Monster Problem by Isis. It is for The Witcher video game. It is specifically post The Witcher 3. Um, The pairing is Siri slash Ceres. We have talked about some Witcher fics on the pod, but they have all been Geralt Emir. This fic is distinctly not Geralt Emir, um, to the point that Siri absolutely hates Emir in this fic and wants nothing to do with him. Um, So if you are only familiar with The Witcher via fics that we have talked about previously, you might be like, what's going on here? I will give you all brief context, uh, the same context I gave my co-hosts. The Witcher 3 is a game in which there are multiple possible endings for many characters. And for Ciri, two of the biggest ones are she can become sort of crown princess under Amir and rule the lands that he has conquered, or she can follow Geralt and become a witcher. This fic assumes that she has become a witcher, which is part of the reason why she's like, I want nothing to do with my dad, Emir. I do not want to be a princess. I only want to slay monsters and talk to women, at least in this fic. The other notable person in this fic is Ceres on Crete. Uh, there is a region of the witcher called the Skellige Islands, and the first time you go there, you meet Croc on Crete, who is like the head of both his clan and also like Skellige as a whole. Croc has two children. One of them is Hjalmar and one of them is Ceres. It's set up that Hjalmar is set to become leader of the Ancrate clan after Croc dies. But as Geralt, if you choose to pursue a series of side quests, you can actually sort of ensure, not sort of, you can ensure that Ceres becomes queen instead. Technically, both of these are good options. It is better if Ceres is queen. Um, if Hjalmar is the king or like the Jarl, um, he like gets into fights with Amir and Nilfgaard and it causes a lot of problems. But if Ceres is the queen, you end up getting more allies for a fight later. So we love that. This fic assumes that canon that Geralt has helped Ceres become queen. That is what she is in this fic. Um, and it also references the canonical fact that when they were younger, Ciri had visited Skellige and was friends with both Ceres and Hjalmar, but she has not seen them in quite a long time. So and she had a crush on Ceres. 
Yes. I don't know that that's canonical, but Can it? it is now, according to Ficklick Podcast. Done. So the premise of this fic is that Siri is on Skellige. She sees a notice for a monster um, and ends up reconnecting with Ceres to hear about how people recently have been dying at this place where, like, lovers usually go to, like, have a little romantic moment. Um, and Siri's like, yeah, I'm a witcher. I got this. And in the process of trying to solve the case, it involves her reconnecting with Ceres. It involves fake dating. It involves peril. It is a case fic. Lots going on in this one. Yeah, I liked this for so many reasons. Um, it's actually a fic that I had wrecked in our rec exchange, either in 2020 or in 2021. Um, and I had recently re-remembered that I had done that. And like Nick, I was looking- A long time ago. It is a long time ago. Um, I don't really know how that it came back up in my general sphere, but it did. <laughs> and I'm glad it did. Um, because like Nick, uh, I think it's always nice to sort of diversify the types of fics that we're bringing. And we have brought, obviously- um, female POVs and like femme slash, but it's always nice to have more of that on the pod. Um, I also just like, who doesn't love a fake dating moment, a tropey little moment? Um, for the fact that the game can be like sometimes kind of dark or gory and like, again, this is about a monster hunt. It's pretty light. Um, it's pretty tropey. And I enjoyed that. It was just nice. It was fun to read. Um, and it was fun to sort of be in the world of the Witcher in a little bit of a different way than we have been historically with our previous Witcher fix. Yeah, so with that being said, I think the content warnings for this fic uh, would be, in general, again, sort of peril, there is pretty significant injury, there is death both at the hands of this um, monster, and also, pew pew pew, spoilers, um, it's also a bit of a murder mystery, so there's that going on. Um, there's nothing particularly graphic or gory on screen in regards to any of the, again, like fighting or deaths or anything like that, but... Those are all present. This is a case fic, and this is the case that they are trying to solve. So that is the context I have for you all. Now I will turn it over to my co-hosts to see what their experience was like with this fic. Yeah, sometimes a fic is a romp through the world of The Witcher, and also there's murder. <laughs> so true. Um, <laughs> that just seems like another part say, of and, romping through the world of The Witcher. That to too. Be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, and I enjoy both of those things, that's not quite what I meant um, to say. <laughs> I do enjoy a romp through the world of The Witcher as someone who has really enjoyed fic about The Witcher, but like is just honestly bad at video games, um, especially like video games that involve any sort of plot or like fighting and aren't just like farming pumpkins. So this is I a pretty <laughs> plot and fighting heavy game. Yeah. So like... I would love to experience the world of The Witcher video games, but then I also have some beef with the world of The Witcher TV shows, and then I also really don't want to read The Witcher novels, and I'm also certainly not someone who's going to sit and watch a video game playthrough. That's, like, just not me at all. Um, it's amazing that I love TV so much, and I, watching someone else play a video game is, like, the most heinous thing in the world. Um, <laughs> Can't like, relate. It's infuriating. Yeah. Like, I hate watching someone else, like, make those... I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I would so much sooner watch that. I watched like upwards of 35, 40 hours of someone playing Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. one time when yeah. I was like, I could never watch a television show. Are you serious? No, I could watch 30 to 40 hours of just a television show about Horizon Zero Dawn. As a teenager, like when you went over to someone's house and they wanted to play video games and they just played the whole time, absolutely the worst. Just oh. the worst thing ever. No, it's nice. So boring. Okay. Get me out of there. Here's where my like peak younger siblingisms come in. I can't remember if I've said this on the pod recently or not, but um, 
recently friends were visiting and they were playing Elden Ring, which is a game that I bought on their recommendation and they are very good at it and I am not. And I was like, this is maybe not my forte, but we were killing time waiting for like a late flight. And so I was just sitting on the couch watching my friends pass the controller back and forth. And I was like, I'm having a great time. Like I also obviously very much enjoy playing video games myself, but it really is the younger siblingism in me that I'm just like, I'm not equally content, but very content to watch people play video games, either IRL or via a Let's Play on YouTube. That is yeah. um, part of Nick and I's shared fandom history. Yeah, it's fun. I'm not a younger sibling, but watching someone play a video game is on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh, that's like in for general. you. Okay. Well, in general. It's it's absolutely not on mine. It's, it's on my, like, it's on Maslow's hierarchy of agonies. <laughs> I was going to say, um, anytime you feel unwell, it's because you're out of balance because you haven't been watching video games. No. It's absolutely not. <laughs> maybe it's my only childness. I don't know. Uh, I find maybe. it deeply unsatisfying. I also, not to get too deep into like why I don't like it, I was just thinking about it. It's like, the problem is I, I don't always want to be the one playing it because I know I would struggle. Like, I would do badly. It's just also hard for me to like feel invested when someone else is playing it. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> and also like the pacing is bad like the pacing might be good to you in your head when you're like making the choices and like you know where you're going and you know what you're doing but like me as a side character like viewing it along get I get frustrated because I, I want to go over there I uh, want to do this thing uh -huh. and it's not like a tv show or a movie where like pacing and plot has been like thought out by the person writing it it's just like in the moment and mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that anyway <laughs> That all being said, the only way I can really consume things for the world of The Witcher, which I do enjoy as a concept, is via fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did enjoy revisiting this world uh, with this fic. And yeah, definitely seeing like a different take on the world of The Witcher than a lot of the fic I've read. Um, as Reed mentioned, we have done a lot of Geralt Emir fic on this show. I also just blatantly refused to read Geralt Yaskier fic. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> Sorry, a lot of our ficlets care. No, Nick, put your hand down though. right now. <laughs> if we had ficlets who really cared about Geralt Yaskier, they should have submitted some to our trick or treat submission mm. and said that it was a trick for Bren and I. Oh, in the trick category? I don't yeah. think we got any of those, but more on that later. <laughs> that being said, I didn't even know that there was the possibility for fem slash pairing, so it was really fun to come across this one. I've already had a really soft spot for Siri in the various Witcher like media that I have consumed. Um, so I really enjoyed experiencing her as our POV main character here. I've also just been reading a lot of like fantasy epic quest fiction. So this slotted in nicely with what my reading tastes have been lately. And like, that's something that's honestly a little bit hard to find in fan fiction. Like I've really only kind of come across it. Um, at least ones that like I've really enjoyed in fandoms where like the fan, like the source material had some, aspect of like epic fantasy quest um and a lot of times those fandoms like don't have big fic writing communities so this was really fun yeah i really enjoyed this one um i have gone on the record on this podcast that other witcher fics that we have discussed i think maybe did not give their female characters a beautiful spotlight and or um, more of a personality than being kind of like a stereotype of a woman at times, which feels, and I said this before too, probably accurate to the world of the Witcher and the source material. So it was really nice to get to read a fic set in this world that like centered women as whole round characters and getting to see kind of their situation. 
not in relation to the men in their lives. A little bit sometimes, I guess. Siri definitely has um <laughs> she she has men to worry about. I guess that's <laughs> technically true. <laughs> um her her father mostly. And she loves Geralt. Like she's she's following yeah. the path of being a witcher in part because of her like how she was raised by Geralt. True, true. Yeah. The impact of men, but not the uh vast presence of them in this story, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um I of course, enjoy the hijinks of a fake dating story anytime we're like reading a fic and you get to the part where it's like, mm, well, this only affects like lovers or whatever. You're like, oh, I know what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it coming a mile away and I am excited for that entire mile. Um, so I always love that. Um, it's also, I feel like, been a minute. Oh, fic lots are going to correct me if I'm lying. Since we did a fake dating fic, it feels like it, but maybe it's because we just haven't recorded an episode <laughs> that wasn't our anniversary in a while <laughs> either way um i always enjoy that too the fantasy setting is fun i think it's a nice um sort of diversion from other settings that we tend to bring more frequently to the pod the witcher is obviously a very good setting for that um, i liked the setting descriptions i liked some of the fantasy elements here we just don't get those as much from uh, contemporary stories or ones that are just like set in different situations so yeah kind of a fantasy heavy episode which is also fun oh i have more to say but i'm gonna save it for in a bit because they don't feel like my overview thoughts anymore i'm gonna distract us it was good thank you i'll say more soon okay looking forward to it something i was thinking about nick when you just said like the oh no this like monster only affects lovers what shall we do that part of the fic or like the um, yeah, the way they sort of justify the fake dating was so good to me in particular because so much about um, like the way that Siri is introduced in this fic and the way that she goes about investigating um, this wraith felt so true to the video game. When she shows up on Skellige, she's just kind of going from like contract to contract to contract. She didn't come here for the purpose of reconnecting with Ceres. She just kind of stumbled into like seeing that there was a monster and she was like, oh, I guess now I need to go talk to Ceres. And then when she's investigating what is going on at this place that all these people are being murdered, the way she's poking around the ruins, the way she's talking to the people, all of it, I was like so clearly visualizing in my head as if like I was piloting Siri through The Witcher. And then I was like, why was a fake lover's like not a plot line in The Witcher? Why does Geralt not get put on some <laughs> mission where he has to like fake being romantic with someone? It'd be way more comical with Geralt than with Siri, which only makes me want it more. Um, I know there was already like Witcher 3 DLC and there's like never going to be more DLC because by this point it's kind of an older video game. But like, what if, what if there was DLC in which we had a fake dating adventure for Geralt? That would be really something. Can you imagine like the marketing on that? <laughs> well, there's like there could be other things going on. It's just like you take up um, a contract for some monster and then it turns out that Geralt like as part of it like does have to pretend like he's dating someone. Yes, here. I, you know what? I take it back. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> uh, but something else I really liked about this fic is because Siri and Ceres have not seen each other in so many years, this fic is also about them getting to know who the other is, like, as an adult and not just as children. And I think there were some, like, really good moments of character work, especially because as a reader, um, like, I'm more familiar with Siri than with Ceres. There are, again, these, like, quest lines that you can take with her, but Skellige is only, like, one portion of the game versus, like, the entirety of Witcher 3 is ostensibly centered around finding Siri. And so it was nice to see sort of who Ceres was in this fic and also who Siri and Ceres were to each other, like, 
early on when Ceres is first telling Siri about this contract, Siri's like, okay, like, how much are you offering? And there's this, like, moment where there's kind of tension because Ceres is looking at her and Siri is thinking, like, it seems like Ceres wants Siri to just offer to do this because it would help people or because they're childhood friends. And, like, yes, Siri wants to do that, but also she's a witcher. This is what witchers do. They work for coin. And, like, she feels, like, really passionate about, like, sticking to sort of the path of the witcher. And I thought that was such a good character moment for the both of them. And there's there's bits like that throughout the fic that I just really enjoyed. I just want to shout out that this fic is based on a piece of fan art. So in Yuletide 2017, there was an option for people in the, um, I know for the Madness collection at least, maybe the main collection as well, uh, the opportunity to mark that they would be interested in or open to art instead of just a written story. And so this person, the author of this story in 2017, received an absolutely stunning piece of fan art. Highly recommend going to look at it. It's gorgeous. It is marked as the inspiration for the fic on AO3, so you can find it through there pretty easily. It's called Midnight Lure by AO3 user Lena, L-E-Y-N-A. It's so beautiful. And like when I looked at it and then I went over to read the fic, I feel like it gave such a beautiful visual of the setting, the surroundings, their outfits, which are so intricate, the kind of lighting, the cold, the monsters and the distance flying in the sky. It's just gorgeous. So I really loved that. And I always, being me, I'm going to love a fan work that engages with a different fan work, either as the inspiration or they go together or like something is based off of something else. So I wanted to shout that out because I think it is a very important part of this fic as it exists. And it also just adds so much to the experience of reading it. Absolutely. I think kind of going off what Nick was just talking about, I really like the sense of place in this fic and the fan work also really contributes to that. It's a really beautiful depiction of sort of like one of the main locations in this fic. Um, as previously mentioned in this episode, I really like world building and like sense of place and all of that. I do think you can definitely be too heavy handed with world building, but I'm someone who like when I read, I see stuff in my head. So I really like when I'm able to picture clearly like what the author... <laughs> Stop seeing that face. I'm not trying to like rub it in. I'm just saying oh, I thought you were dissing my me. truth. <laughs> I'm not dissing you. Okay. Um, I really enjoy like when the version that I'm imagining really does line up with what the author was intending me to imagine. And I feel like that worked out really well here. Um, I actually didn't look at the fan work until after I had read the fic and went back up to the beginning. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's totally, that's it. <laughs> um, which is a really nice and satisfying feeling. Yeah, I think also just like I have really been in my fantasy girl era. Um, I mean, I sort of always have been as a child and now, but there was a lot of years where like I just really wasn't reading books um, and therefore wasn't really in my fantasy girl era. But I'm back in it. And um, I don't know, there's something so charming to me about like, ooh, a mysterious like forested area and a mysterious crumbling ruin and a mysterious monster that we have to kill. Is it even a monster? It is, but it's also a human. And sometimes humans are the real monsters. <laughs> um, <laughs> spoiler horns. Yeah, sorry, spoiler <laughs> horns, but also just like a through line of so much fiction. Um, 
yeah, I feel like this just really was evocative in like a totally different way than No Reservations Narnia was. Um, but both of them like in their own ways were, I think actually all three fix this time around like were fixed that I really could see so clearly and like really picture the place and setting. Um, and not just because Nick's Zoom background right now is a dentist's <laughs> office. You're um, seeing it right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think especially for this one, I just was really struck by that. Yeah, I think I want to get into sort of the case fic of this, the the mystery okay. of it all. So as mentioned, um, Ciri sees a notice that people have been dying, um, and she meets with Saris, and Saris explains that sometime recently, maybe a month or so ago, I don't fully remember, but uh, two young lovers who were to be wed, um, Ingver, I think that's how you say his name, I don't know, Ingver and Anna had gone up to these ruins that were very popular, um, especially for like younger couples, but something attacked them, Anna died, um, Ingver was sort of like flung halfway down a gorge and he was found like a couple days later by some of the fishermen that he works with. And that was it for a bit. And then there was an older couple that was passing through that died. And there's there's a couple instances basically of these pairs dying. And so Siri goes poking around. She thinks that it might be a wraith based on the descriptions of like what's been happening. Um, and so she pokes around, she waits there the whole night and nothing pops up. And so she comes to Saris and she's like, okay, I think that this potentially is like a because a wraith is sort of a, an embodiment of someone who's died in a very like violent way who has some sort of resentment that attaches them to the world um usually in regards to how they died and siri is like i think it's a night wraith i think there's a chance that anna was murdered and that's why this night wraith is now murdering couples because i waited there all night and there was no danger but everyone else who has died has either been a couple or appears to be a couple um and so she's like, can you lend me a guard? And Saris is like, no, but you know what I can do? I can go with you. You can't see, but I'm like tucking my hair behind my ear, even though I don't have hair to do that. Um, she's like, wink. I mean, actually, Saris is like, I'm the queen. I can't send my guards out on a deadly mission. Like, if I'm not willing to put myself in danger's way, then I have no right to rule. So, like, I'll go with you. And that was really sexy of her, actually. It was so sexy of her. And, like, again, I think a really good character-defining moment that Saris was like, if I'm not willing to, like, put my money where my mouth is or I guess misplace my sword um then I don't deserve to like lead these people um and then she's like unless you think we wouldn't make convincing lovers wink and Siri was like I don't think that'll be a problem wink that's not exactly how that went down but you know what close enough <laughs> it's pretty close, <laughs> it's pretty close. <laughs> um but something I really liked about sort of this like case fic plot line, in addition to what it lends to fake dating was that um Siri becomes pretty convinced she's like okay like I'm pretty sure that Ingver killed Anna, um, in part because when the Wraith appears, like, there's all of these things that hit the markers for what Siri knows about a Night Wraith, etc. As a person who's reading, and, like, also from, like, a hashtag gamer perspective, 100% I also would be like, yes, I can see where this, like, quest line is going, because there's a couple of hints scattered about that, like, Ingver didn't actually want to marry Anna. Um, like, I was like, absolutely, he's the murderer. But Saris was like, this is all so circumstantial, like, you can't claim that this man actually did this, like, you're... You're theorizing, like, maybe the Wraith is Anna, but you don't really know. Like, maybe she was killed by Ingvar, but you don't really know. And I really liked that. Um, I thought it was, like, a nice balance to series, like, POV and, like, the assumptions that we would make as a person playing this questliner as a reader. Even though Siri does end up being right, I just thought that was, like, an interesting way for it to play out. They have a really good back and forth in this fic. I really enjoyed their banter. I think that was something that brought a lot of life to it and brought a lot of levity to what ended up being kind of a depressing mystery. Uh, this fic still managed to be 
very lighthearted throughout a lot of it. I do want to read a tiny bit of their banter here because I think this is very indicative of how the fake dating kind of went throughout this story. Uh, we have, this is Saris. She looked at Siri and smiled. The firelight danced on her skin, making it glow. We should be acting like lovers, shouldn't we be? We need to keep our eyes open and our swords close at hand. Is that your Siri voice? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Saris scooted closer and put a hand on Siri's knee. I only need one hand for my sword. Her warm breath ghosted across Siri's neck, and I like to keep my eyes open so I can see who I'm kissing. Well, in that case, <laughs> murmured Siri. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Keep going. Oh, should keep I keep going? going? Okay. Well, there's not much more dialogue here. She tugged at Saris's cloak, pulling the edge of it around her own shoulders, and leaned in to meet Saris's lips. And then they, like, kiss. Uh, was it only for show? Not necessarily. And they're, like, moaning into each other's faces and stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Wow, let's go sexy. with lesbians. <laughs> it's great. But they're fun. I don't know. I liked the back and forth so much. I think that they balance each other out super well. And the way that the banter operated really moved us through the story, even at points where they're just, like, sitting around keeping watch or waiting, trying to bait the wraith, etc. Yeah. I mean, to both of your points, like... Well, as I've already said, I've become a fantasy girly. I've also become a mystery girly recently, which is also not new, but kind of new. Um, in the last, I've always really enjoyed a good detective story, but I've really like indulged in that enjoyment this past year. <laughs> um, and I think we've talked about this before, but like, honestly, it's kind of hard to like find a mystery fic. Like there are definitely case fics. Um, usually those case fics exist for like canons where the people are already like investigating mysteries in their canon. I mean, Siri's definitely like hunting monsters, and I guess it can sort of sometimes be like there can be so like problem solving that needs to happen in order for like that to go well, <laughs> um, and like strategizing and everything. But I like that this was more of like a mystery, and I like that like Saris was like, you gotta prove it. I mean, obviously it was also a little bit like a flirty, but I think I don't know, this is like tangential, but it's something I've been thinking about. Um, is I've noticed that when I'm reading or watching mysteries where like the person solving it is somehow affiliated with law enforcement they really hold the burden of proof and when the person investigating it is just like a casual little detective girl in like the british countryside <laughs> who's just like i like investigating things she's just like i've solved it and i'm like uh what girl. <laughs> like your explanation was fun but like do you have any proof <laughs> um, so I kind of enjoyed the fact that like even though Siri was right they still had to like prove it um, because I get annoyed when the when the little detective girlies are like I've done it and I'm like what have you done the little detective girlies <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know <laughs> they're not always girlies um, girlies in spirit girlies gender neutral yeah. yeah girlies in spirit for sure frolicking through the countryside just being like I'm an <laughs> Investigator, and I'm like, that's nice. Um, I guess some like series frolicking through the countryside, being like, I hunt monsters, but she like really does. So yeah. I respect that. It's true. I didn't even get to talk about the wound tending. Do you, would you like to talk about the wound ficklets, tending? The, ficklets, there's wound tending in this story. I don't have that much to say about it. It's like Sarah <laughs> gets hurt, and series like, ah, fuck, come here, girl, <laughs> and then she cleans out her wound. <laughs> That's about it. But it's such a classic fantasy trope. I love that it was combined in with the fake dating. Like, hell yeah, mm -hmm. smash it all together. Mm -hmm. Let's go. 
Yeah, I think as we move towards the end of this discussion, I just wanted to highlight, I think, one other aspect of what makes Siri and Sarah so fun to read about. And it's the fact that both of them kind of state in different ways that um, part of the reason why this like new burgeoning relationship feels so fun for them is because they're kind of meeting an equal in a way that they rarely get an opportunity to. Um, Saris offers Siri, like, do you want to stay here? Like, there's plenty of work for a witcher in Skellige. Um, and says, like, I've not been this happy in months. You're the one person I've been with in the past year who doesn't either put me on a pedestal or want to kill me. And that is fairly true for both of them. And I just thought that was, like, a really nice additional thing to, like, bring them together. That it wasn't just that they're childhood friends. That it wasn't just that they were on this little case fic together. Case fic? That they were on this little case mission together. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, the, like, seeing and recognizing the other person for, like, where they stand in relation to other people. And, like, the unique opportunity of being able to just feel like someone gets you and is not seeing you for something you're not. Yeah, so I think that's going to do it for our discussion of a wee monster problem. Um, I know that we've literally told you everything about how this mystery plays out, but if you are at all a fan of The Witcher, and especially Siri, I think this is a really fun one. And go look at the art. And go look at the art. Even if you're not a fan of The Witcher, go look at the art. It's really yeah, go good. Look. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. We hope you enjoyed it as you always do. If you didn't, don't tell us. We only accept heaping praise. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you want to be more connected with FitClick and the FitClick community, there are several ways you can do so. We are on Twitter while the website exists at FitClick. We are available on our Discord server as well, which is a lovely, charming, beautiful, thriving community. And that's linked in the pinned tweet on our Twitter. We also have an email. If you would like to email us your long form thoughts, or if you have questions and things, uh, feel free to let us know at fitclickpod at gmail.com. We will see it and we likely will answer in a semi-timely fashion, sometimes very timely. Email us and find out. If you would like to support FitClick, there are a few ways you can do so. If you would like to do so without a financial obligation, um, you can just tell people about how much you love our podcast. Um, word of mouth is great. You can also leave a review so that random strangers can read how much you love FitClick. If you would like to provide financial um, support to us over here, you have two ways of doing so. We do have some merch up on Redbubble still. We know we keep saying that this is going to go down. We have picked a date. It will be down um, November 1st. So you have the rest of October if you'd like to purchase anything. Once again, if there are any specialty items that you would like that aren't currently available, please let me, Brenna, know, and I can make that happen for you. Um, we also have a Ko-Fi if you would like to just donate some money. Perhaps it's getting towards the end of the year and you're feeling donation-y. We're a podcast who would love your money. Um, <laughs> and we will thank you for it. <laughs> In terms of upcoming FitClick announcements, we are beginning to look at Wreck Exchange season. Your hosts are terrified. This is the true start of spooky season is realizing that Wreck Exchange is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Every year we love it mm -hmm. and it's so daunting. Um, we don't have specific information up yet for dates or anything. And I don't believe we will by the time this episode comes out. But we will, within the month of October, um, be posting more about the Wreck Exchange. In case you're unfamiliar, the very brief is that you sign up. You list fandoms that you want to receive recs for and give recommendations for, for fanfiction, and we pair you with someone, and then at the start of the year, you get some lovely fanfiction hand-curated for you. So keep your eyes peeled. We will have more information about that soon. I don't know how soon, but soon. 
Also, in terms of upcoming things for FitClick, is our next episode. Our next episode will be coming out on October 27th, and we will be picking fix from our trick-or-treat form. I don't think we ever talked about that one on the pod because of the way that some things went IRL. In case you missed that on social media, we asked Ficklets to send us fix that they considered either a trick or a treat, and we will be discussing them next episode, but we are keeping them a secret. It's a surprise. It's going to be a trick-or-treat for you too, Ficklets. Thank you, Ficklets, for sending things. We love you. Thank you so much. We will definitely have more to say about the form in the actual episode, but um, if you're curious about what fix we're bringing, you'll just have to stay tuned. Okay, Ficklets, I'm off to open a door in my wardrobe and see where it leads. Maybe to some delicious treats. Bye! Ficklets, I'm off to pursue my happy ending, which is actually not a happy ending at all, but rather a daisy chain made up of all the people I've ever left behind. Bye! Oh my god! (laughs) Brutal. Ficklets, I'm off to find a cute girl with a sword and ask if she wants to fate date me. Okay, bye! Bye!